0: Um, It's uh, part of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, You'll find it on page, if you're looking in the church Bibles, uh, page uh, number, I'll get it in just a moment, 968, page 968. And we've been looking for the last few weeks at these uh, very key statements that Jesus makes right at the beginning of this piece of teaching, which has been called the Sermon on the Mount. These little phrases that begin blessed blessed are so and so blessed are so and so they they've been come they've come to be known as the beatitudes because the word uh, in greek is connected to that word beatified to be blessed and uh, it kind of is a, a reference to that first word and as we saw a few weeks ago being blessed at the time is what everyone wanted to be. Everybody in Jesus' culture at the time pretty much wanted to know God's blessing on their life. They wanted to know what it would be like to have God in their lives. They wanted to be kind of in the right place with God. They wanted to know the blessing and favor of God in their lives. Maybe we we don't perhaps identify with that in the same way today, do we? But... There are many people, uh, maybe uh, you're among them, um, certainly friends we'll have outside, in the, kind of generally in our culture and around, maybe family friends, if you said, would you, like, would you be interested in knowing more of the spiritual? They would say, yeah, actually, I think I'd be interested in knowing more of the spiritual. I'd like to know what spirituality really is. There's a huge kind of um, market going in, in getting books about that kind of stuff. And Jesus is saying to be blessed by God, to know the spiritual, this is what it's like. Of course, the people then connected what it meant to be blessed of God by what they knew of him from their Jewish backgrounds. Today, uh, it's different. But if you like, there's that same hunger. And Jesus has been teaching, as we've seen, about the kingdom of heaven. That's what's been going on before chapter 5. That's how this whole Sermon on the Mount gets going. Jesus has been around the the villages and the towns in various parts of Palestine preaching about God's kingdom. Uh, And that phrase meant something to the people who heard it. They were all looking forward to what god would do the old testament had prophets had promised that god would do something that god would intervene that god would make himself known in a new way and that they they kind of captured it in this phrase the kingdom of god that's what they were looking for ready for god to do his thing again you know something that god would do and it was tied up in this idea of the kingdom of heaven And Jesus had been talking about that, but not only that, he'd been doing things as well. As we read in the previous chapter, he'd been doing the kind of things that God could only do. The kind of uh, uh, activities that were associated with these promises of, of the king who would come. And crowds of people had kind of gathered to hear it and there were so many of them that Jesus eventually chapter 5 verse 1 tells us takes those who are you know the really keen ones if you like those who really wanted to are willing to climb the stairs you know if I said to you all now go up to the gallery and join the young people in the back row there they all are up in the back row hi guys you're right up there yeah good okay yeah good to see you yeah Um, so if I said to you that those who really want to know you know I want you all up in the gallery well maybe some of us would make it not all of us would but if we really wanted to know we get up there with the young people and join them in the back row it's a bit like that I guess Sermon on the Mount those people who really wanted to know were willing to climb up this little hill or whatever it was to hear what Jesus had to say and so they do that and he starts speaking and it's in chapter 5 verse 1 let's read it when he saw the crowds he went up on a mountainside and sat down his disciples came to him and he began to teach them saying So Jesus starts off then with these eight statements about what it means to be blessed. Then there's another one, a ninth one, uh, which is where we'll be today, looking at uh, in more detail. But This ninth one is a little bit different, as we shall ex- uh, see. But in it, Jesus is describing the way blessed people are, the way spiritual people are, the way people who know God in their lives are, are, are what, what they're like. And there's a big clue at the beginning and at the end of those eight phrases. See, there's a similar phrase each at the beginning of the first one and the eighth one. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven, it says. Because Jesus is painting a picture of people who have the kingdom, people who've been touched by the king, people who know him in their life. And Jesus is saying, this is what they're like, these people. You want, want to know what spirituality is? Well, this is it. This is what really matters. This is what people who've been touched by the kingdom of God are going to be like. It's a picture of people who've been touched by Jesus, people who are ruled by the king. And it's not about how you get into the kingdom. It's not saying if you do these things or if you're really humble or poor in spirit or, or mourn or are persecuted, that's the way into the kingdom. No, that's not that at all, is it? It can't be for one thing because the very first thing says blessed are those who are poor in spirit and the people who are poor in spirit have got nothing. They don't come to God and say I've got something, I'm poor in spirit therefore let me into the kingdom. That's a complete contradiction, isn't it? So they actually start with nothing to give, nothing to offer, empty, out of it, nothing at all, only asking God to let them in because of Jesus. No, these people are, they mourn because of what's wrong. They're meek people. People who know they've got nothing, but they know that they've been given everything. They long for righteousness. They know that it's missing in their own lives and it's missing around them. It's missing in the world, and they are desperate and hungry that righteousness might be seen. They're people who are merciful because they've been shown mercy. And they will show mercy because God has been merciful to them. They're pure in heart. That means they're open, they're honest, they're sincere. They're peacemakers, as we saw last week. They're people who are so tied in with righteousness that they're persecuted because of it. This is a picture, if you like, of the complete Christian. It's not like it's a kind of a whole picture. Different bits of it make, make it up. This is what the disciple of Jesus looks like. It's what we're like, not how we get there, but because we're there, because of the way we came there, because God has been so good to us, because he's made peace with us, because we've received his righteousness, all these things kind of are there in our lives because of the way we've come, because of God's great good news, his gospel, his free offer of salvation. It's not the way we get there, but it's the way we are as we follow Jesus. It's what it looks like to live under the rule of the king. And boy, is it different to the way the world works. Did you notice that as you read the Beatitudes? It's not how people live their lives. It's not how the world works. It's not how you want to get on. As I said a few weeks ago, um, you, if, you know, if, you, if you applied for The Apprentice with, with these qualities... Then you're not going to get, you know, I don't think you'd get a, a, an audition, would you? It's different. Now, we're looking today at verses 11 and 12. There it is. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you. Now, it seems to be adding to what was said in verse 10. And Ian talked about, Ian Thompson talked about that last week. And if you missed it, get a CD on the way out or hit listen to it online. It was really helpful. So it seems to be adding to that, but actually there's something different. Do you notice that? Look at that in verse 11, the difference between verse 10 and verse 11. Do you notice that? There's a difference. There's a new direction. Verse 10, like all the others in the NIV, said, blessed are those who, those who, those who. General kind of statements. What does verse 11 say? Blessed are you blessed are you when three times in that verse blessed are you blessed are you blessed are you now this is interesting isn't it what is jesus saying here it's like he's saying to these people these aren't just interesting general truths no these truths i'm talking about this this what what is a you know what what makes a disciple is meant to find a kind of landing strip in your life you know, this isn't just a kind of plane, kind of circling around. It's got to land in you and in me. This is personal. Being blessed, knowing God in our lives, real spirituality, true spirituality according to Jesus, comes out of a personal response to Jesus himself. And he's saying to each one of us that the Christian life, being spiritual is about my life as me day by day how i live every day whatever i'm doing not just sundays and holidays not just you know new wine or soul survivor not just sundays and the groups that we do but every day it's about me and jesus you and jesus Blessed are you. And, and all through the rest of the, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, this is what Jesus is going. He's talking to his disciples about how it is going to be for them, personally, as they follow Him in their lives. So Jesus expects disciples to be close by him, to be with him, to be known as His friends. Jesus is saying, "This is a life to be lived. It's personal. And we need to realize this, don't we? If we're looking inside at Christianity or if we're living, wanting to live as believers, it's to be personal. Jesus and me, Jesus and you. Obviously with others, it's great that we're with other people, but you can't depend on other people for that life. We need individually to know Jesus for ourselves. And you, says Jesus, blessed are you when certain things happen. We start the Christian life that way and we carry on the Christian life that way. So what kind of life then is it? What is this blessed life? Well, Jesus is going to talk to them about how they can be blessed when they're persecuted. Verse 11. And that kind of, what he says about that, I think is like a kind of window on to what this life is like it's like looking through a window to see what's inside looking through the keyhole get us notice that i didn't watch it i was preparing this like get, that old show was back on revived on tv last week you know looking what, what's inside you know who lives in a life like this the christian life what's it look like what does it look like let's look through the window Because the reason for that persecution Jesus is going to give them and the way it works out for them as they're persecuted really does point to some key things about the Christian life. There are three things that I want us to get hold of. First of all, here's the first one. The blessed life is a life with Jesus. That's key, isn't it? We've seen all through that this life is different. This is why it's different. It's different from the flow of our culture because it's with Jesus. It's different uh, to the, our, our personal inclinations. The, our old way of living, the, the natural way of going on that's all about me and what I want, all about you know, my life and my you know, wants and my desires and all those other things. It all, it's, this life is going in the opposite direction to that. It's different. And this is why it's different. And the reason why it's different is also the reason why it can lead us into being persecuted. Because why are people going to persecute disciples, it says? The end of verse 11. Because of me, says Jesus. Because of me. That's the point, isn't it? Because we're walking with Jesus because we're living his way because we know him because people see him in us so the danger is we will be persecuted now there are all kinds of reasons we may get into trouble we may be persecuted for other reasons as well all kinds of people are but jesus is talking about something specific he's saying you're persecuted when you're persecuted because of me says jesus He warned the disciples, didn't he, in John 15. Look at what he said to them. I'll read it to you. You don't have to turn to it. You can if you like. But I'll read it. It's John 15, verse 18. This is what he said to his disciples before he left. If the world hates you, he says, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong in the world or to the world But I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember the words I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. Jesus is saying to the disciples, Guys, if you're my disciples, if you're walking with me, they're going to treat you, or they might treat you, the way they treated me. Because of me. Jesus told them that very plainly. So it gives us the reason why this life with Jesus, because we're with Jesus, that's why we can be persecuted as believers. But it also points to how we can live under that kind of pressure, because we live with him. When we suffer, he suffers. Those of you may remember the, a famous story of when Saul of Tarsus became a believer. You know, he was the most famous Christian ever, I suppose, wrote half the New Testament. Do you remember he had a vision of Jesus? He, he was on his donkey going from uh, Jerusalem to um, Damascus, and Jesus spoke to him. And do you remember what Jesus said to him? Jesus said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He didn't say, Saul, why are you persecuting Christians? Because Saul was actually on his way. He had in his pocket arrest warrants to arrest Christians in Damascus, put them in prison, possibly have them executed. Jesus, said, He didn't say, why are you persecuting me? He said, why are you persecuting me? Jesus is identified with his people as they suffer. And there's other places in the New Testament that talk about that. In 1 Peter 4, it says, we share his suffering. If we're persecuted, so as believers, we don't just stand for Jesus, we stand with Him, or He stands with us. We know His presence then as we suffer. It's because of me, He says. And in that, Jesus says we can be blessed, not just in a general sense, but really personally in our own life as we go through those moments of hostility for him with him so the blessed life real spirituality it's a life with jesus connected to jesus in jesus presence and jesus says it's for you and you he says this life he says to his disciples has got to be with me so have you started that life It's coming to Jesus and beginning with him. Tell him you want to do that. Just speak to him about it. Receive him as you believe. And those of us who already know him, let's let people see Jesus in our lives. Pray that people will see him. That we'll have opportunities to speak his name. Let's keep walking with Jesus now in the present. Not just, you know, in some general sense, but as you go to work tomorrow or as you do something with your kids or if you, you know, go and and sign on or if you've got to see whatever you're doing with Jesus, Lord, I'm with you. Whatever happens to me today, I want people to know that you're with me and I'm with you that's the first thing it's a life with jesus what's the second thing then should come up i think we must have uh, can we get the second point up rob i don't know thank you jesus says it's a life of joy now that seems a bit odd doesn't it look at verse 12 he says rejoice and be glad he said when you're persecuted jesus says to the disciples rejoice and be glad now that's a strange combination the idea that we can know real joy when we're persecuted how does that work what's that about then now there was a time uh, this came true for the early disciples in acts 5 they, you remember they had lots of ups and downs with the authorities in the book of acts but in acts chapter 5 uh, verse 40 on one occasion the apostles or some of them it say they called the apostles in and had them flogged. I don't have been flogged. I don't suppose any of us here have been flogged. I don't think it's a very pleasant experience. So the apostles had been flogged, and then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin, that's the place where they've been seen, the authorities, rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace. For the name. Peter, in his letter, and Peter was one of them who had the flogging, experienced it, he talks again of joy can come into our lives even when we go through trials. James, in his letter, says the same thing in chapter 1. Where does this joy come from? Not in the suffering. People aren't saying, oh, yeah, this is great, you know, hit me again, I'm really enjoying this. That's not it at all. Obviously. But it's the joy in somehow knowing Jesus with you as you suffer for him. From the sense of privilege of, of suffering with him and for him. Now, we know little about that. And hopefully in a moment, I want us to hear some sto- a story of how it might work out for those who do. Joy from knowing that he is with us, that he is working in this situation And that has been the experience of believers through the ages. If you read their stories and hear what they have to say, many of them will say, in it all I knew such amazing joy even as I went through great persecution. Now I think this can take a bit of time. (laughs) As I say, I'm not sure whether as someone is hitting you, you're going to be full of joy. Probably your brain is telling you that you're hurting at that moment, I would imagine. I don't know. But it's interesting that James, in his epistle, he says, consider it pure joy when you go through various trials. You know, this is something that, you know, as part of the process, it takes time to contemplate. It may be a process of, of finding Christ's presence in that persecution. It's not a simple, glib thing. And again, if you read and listen to the stories of those who've been persecuted... They will talk of that, 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 that somehow much deeper awareness of Christ. Peter in his letter, chapter 3, talks that, um, uh, of committing ourselves to God as we suffer. Just as Jesus did, 1 Peter 3, he says that so when we're persecuted you know what we mustn't do is sulk you know and stomp off and you know say god i'm being persecuted for you i'm out of here you know i'm not talking to you anymore (laughs) otherwise you know we don't get that contemplation we might just miss join that again some people may find themselves doing that so the Christian life, the blessed life, is a life of joy, even in persecution, because Jesus is with us. But there's another reason why there's joy in it, and this is the third thing about this life. It's a life of purpose for the future. Verse 12, Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. Because uh, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets, who were before you Jesus tells the disciples to rejoice because there's a reward coming he's saying that this life is not all there is now you know when I was young I found it very hard to get my head around that possibility and maybe some of you are finding that believe me as you get older it becomes more easy to get your head around the possibility that there's another life that there's something more than this life and Jesus is saying this life is not all there is. He's saying there is a new life with Christ that's coming next for believers. And there are rewards. You know, the Apostle Paul in his writings talks of a prize, like at the end of the race. Uh, and Jesus talks of giving crowns. Here again, he talks about rewards. Now, I, you know, again, try and get your head around this. It's not... You forget like the Oscars or even the Olympics or, or the BAFTAs or something where people kind of get prizes and rewards. No, think about this. What, when people say this was really rewarding, what do they mean? What do you mean when you say something's rewarding? It's satisfying. You know, it's it's the best feeling that you get. You know, when something's been done well, or when something's been worthwhile, or or you know, it, it, it's that kind of reward. You say it's rewarding, and it doesn't mean you're you're getting some kind of prize for it, or you're going to get a certificate or an Oscar. But but something in and of the self is is rewarding. I think just take that. That best feeling that you get when something's done well. Hold on to that feeling and then multiply it by infinity. That's what Jesus is talking about. A reward. A sense of completion. A sense of fulfillment in a life that continues to be that rewarding throughout ever in an entirely new creation. Which isn't broken, where righteousness reigns, where sickness is gone, where Jesus is at the center of everything. Think of everything wonderful about being a human being. Everything amazing about being loved by God. Everything satisfying about serving him well. Just take those little glimpses in your experience, if you're a believer and mine, and and somehow that's going to go on and it's going to be growing and it's going to be developing and it's going to go on forever. It's amazing, isn't it? That's a reward. (laughs) That's something to look forward to. That's a sense of fulfilment. I, 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 I haven't got time to speak. I must stop because I'm going to go off on one in a minute. So, but just think about it. You know, what you've always wanted to do well for God. You know, I play the piano a bit. I'd love to play the piano. Fantastic. You know, to have time to do it, to develop it, and praise God in there. Well, maybe there'll be a chance for some of eternity to play in a band. You know, and give glory to Jesus and you like managing things you know the bible says you know we're going to rule the universe with christ how many galaxies are there out there how many unknown worlds are there to to you know declare i don't know read some of c.s lewis's science fiction he he kind of gets around gets his head around some of these things in a interesting way we don't know but we just get glimpses And Jesus tells us as well that there's not just this purpose for the future, but we're standing in the place where the prophets stood. The prophets, Jesus said, uh, were persecuted for God's word. Jesus says if we're persecuted for him, he parallels his disciples' experience with the experience of the prophets. What were the prophets persecuted for? Bringing God's word. They were persecuted for God. Jesus is saying if you're persecuted for me, you're like the prophets who were persecuted for God. If you're being persecuted for me, you're being persecuted for God. Jesus, once again, as he often does, implicitly claims to be God in the parallel that he makes. If you're just wondering if, whether Jesus ever claimed to be God, here's one of the ways that he did it. It's all the time in these kind of parallels that would have meant that to the people who heard him. We're in the stream, Jesus says, if we're disciples. We're in the stream of God's purposes coming from eternity past right through to eternity future. The prophets were in the stream of God's kind of revelation of salvation uh, and Jesus is saying to his disciples, you're right there and it's going to go right on forever. So let's grab this truth. We have a future. We stand in the stream of all that God is doing. There's a reward. There's a new creation. There's the possibility, or not more the possibility, the certainty, if we're in Christ, of knowing that we can be all that we know we could be or hope to be because we'll be raised with him, like him, forever. Let's not forget that. Let's just bear that in mind. Let's keep that in view. How do we not lose that from our lives? Particularly if we're young and life seems easy, you know. There's more and there's that reward coming. So the blessed life is a life with Jesus. It's a life full of joy, even in persecution. And it's a life with this reward, this future promised of the most amazing purpose. We just can't get our heads around it, really. Let's keep that in mind. I want to just, as I said earlier, uh, David Judson is here today. David's worked in the Middle East. Um, he's a retired mission partner, was one of our uh, mission partners at Portswood for many, many years. David, thanks for coming in. And I knew David was coming, and I asked David if he would be kind enough just answer a question just for a few minutes about we've been talking about this promise of jesus in matthew 5 now you've known lots of middle eastern christians you've worked with them anything you can bring from your experience of 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 how they know
1: this that we can hear about this morning it's reactions to to persecution and wonderfully more muslims are coming to the lord than ever before um throughout the world and particularly in the Middle East but of course with that persecution increases and we sometimes say there are three possible reactions to persecution. You can either face it or you can flee or you can flop give into it Um, and we do praise the Lord when people are actually facing persecution straight up front. I think of Christians in Egypt last year um, when a lot of As a result of the um, problems that they were having there, a lot of churches were were burnt and Christians were facing extreme persecution and they didn't retaliate. They were told by church leaders not to retaliate. And this was amazing because in the Middle East, there's a honor and shame culture and if, you know, if if John, if, if you rape my sister... Then to preserve the family honour, I would kill you. It's that sort of thing, and so there's always this this reaction. But the Christians didn't react, and that's been a tremendous witness under under persecution. And they've even gone further and protected Muslims while they've been praying in Tahrir Square, Christians standing around them, and a positive witness to to turning the other cheek, which is in the the sermon on the mm-hmm. Mount. Um, which is so opposite to what the... Mm. And, um,
0: and we were thinking last week about
1: being peacemakers, that yeah. they're, they're absolutely doing that as well. Actively doing that, mm. yeah. But then on an individual basis, um, of course individuals have to face persecution, especially when they come to the Lord from a non-Christian or Muslim background. I'm thinking of one young man that, that we've met out in a Middle Eastern country who came to the Lord and openly associated with Christians, and as a result, his family heard about it, his friends heard about it, and they gave him the ultimatum a few years ago of return to Islam or be killed, return to Islam before the end of Ramadan. And so his case was taken up by Christian friends, and he was advised to leave the country And they didn't want him to get lost going to a Western country. They sent him to Malaysia, to the Baptist College in Malaysia. And he spent a year there and being strengthened in his Christian faith, met an Asian lady there, and they married, went back to the Middle Eastern country. And he started, through his witness, to win over his family and um they instead of being completely against him were supportive and
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, he his wife was expecting a baby very recently and they returned to malaysia for the birth and then um, he returned and was arrested at the airport and imprisoned and was eventually released and um, he had the support of his parents by now and he had to return just in the last um, couple of weeks he's having been forbidden to to, they convocated his passport but he's been given back his passport and has returned to um, Malaysia to be with his wife and new child But his parents accompanied him on this journey um, to give him full protection in case he was stopped at the airport. His life has been completely changed by the Lord and it's now having a a positive Mm. testimony. So even through the persecution, he's come through this and intends to go back to his own country and remain as a witness there. Mm.
0: Okay, thank you. That was helpful. Thanks, David, very much. Thank you. If you want to talk with David more afterwards, then feel free. I'm going to hand back to Sim now. Thank you as we continue our service.